Hello, welcome to the Coping with Anxiety podcast, Brody Clinton. Hi, Co. Thanks for having me on. Well, this is the first. Oh, awesome. The first episode, and um, we were speaking a few days ago, and uh, we were speaking about ways that I can expand my business. And I've always wanted to do a podcast. I love listening to other people's podcasts. Um, Have you been on a podcast before? I have actually spoken on a few. things around spirituality and mindset, mental health um, from, from my work I've, I do as a personal development coach. Yep. Um, I think those are conversations that people love to have. And there's plenty of, plenty of increasing, I would say, conversations around personal development and how, can we, how we can be better and grow and change for the better um, seems to be quite a growing topic of interest mm-hmm. which i love yeah, to see that's why uh, i wanted to have you on the podcast and it was um we were having a discussion a few days ago and we were just as i said discussing how i can expand my business and you were encouraging me and giving me ideas and um yeah i'm just i'm just keen to explore your story um and yep. see what my what my audience can get from that we're both in Wollongong at the moment. Um, we, we live in Wollongong. Uh, were you born in Wollongong? I was born in Wollongong. Yeah. I love it. I love it here. It's um, close, close geographically, close enough to Sydney to go and do things or, you know, go to the airport. Um, but it's far enough away to be uh, not affected by too much chaotic energy or too much of rat race up there. And here it's like, you know, we've got mountains five minutes one direction. We've got beaches five minutes the other direction. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yep. Um, so you were born, so you live in Albion Park right now. Live in um, Albion Park now, yeah. Have you always lived there? Um, Kennehooker, Dapto, Oak Flats in, in the younger years. And we've had this house in Albion Park for about 20 years. And I've also... Um, moved out of home twice uh, and lived in Wollongong right down near the harbour as well. Okay. Um, so what was your first memory? Man. Yeah, I, I know I've got some, I know I've got some memories from being very, very young and I just, it's so young that I wouldn't know what, what came first, but it would mm-hmm. be things from around the age of, one to two and they're just things like um playing in the lounge room before my parents were awake and just sort of feeling like well you know there's just so many things i can do and so many directions to go in and then there's like some chaotic memories as well i think like a smashed a fish tank with um you know there's like totem tennis plastic rackets smashed, smashed a fish tank with one of those just some, just some very, very young toddler memories, but I would say earlier than three years old. Okay. Um, are your, were your parents, are your parents still together? Uh, no. So before, um, before they were, before I was even born, they uh, separated. Okay. Right. So um, did you grow up, who did you grow up with? What, in what house? Um, grow up with mum and yep. My stepdad has been around since I was very young in nappies, I think less than 12 months old. So, right. Okay. He, um, so, do you, um, do you have a relationship with your dad? Yeah. Yeah. We talk um, yep. back and forth every now and then. He's got, um, he's had another one in the last few years and, and got a new partner and he lives out west. Okay. So, yeah, um, you, grew up, you grew up with your mum. What was, uh, what was that relationship like um, with your mum growing up? Good, good, and and my and my stepdad as well. Um, mm-hmm. He's been he's been a, a great fatherly figure, and I'm very very grateful to have been raised by him. Um, but my relationship with mum, I don't know. You kind of you kind of think that your or I kind of think that my family tree or structure and all that is just like the norm but when you actually go into it and you get a bit older and you start exploring your family structure and story and all that kind of thing you're like wow it's actually a bit more of a jungle than a tree 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, me and mum get along very well. We're very much alike. We, we like our hobbies. We both like to read. We both like our quiet time and our, our peace and quiet as well. Yep. So um, did you say you lived in Kanahuka initially? Yeah, up until maybe three, four years old. Okay, so did you, um, what was your, what primary school did you go to? Albion Park, which we, okay. moved, we moved here in the year 2000, which the start of the year 2000, and I started Albion Park Primary. Okay, um, so um, sort of jumping ahead a little bit, but I'm going to, um, we can talk about this more later in the podcast, but we'll, we'll speak about, just briefly introduce it. Um, you Have you been diagnosed with ADHD? I have, um, yep. and that was looking looking back on. So diagnosed only this year at mm-hmm. the age of twenty six. I'm twenty seven now. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back on my life, that has basically explained every single challenge that I faced. Like mm-hmm. um, I did really well in school. I would con- I would consider myself hyper social. I can connect. Mm-hmm. I find with anyone over anything and and genuinely enjoy it and genuinely have curiosity around other people. That's something I can do endlessly, but, and I say, I feel, I felt smart enough to solve any task you put in front of me. So long as you gave me all the pieces then and there. Um, But in high school, say year eight, when things require a bit more of a consistent and steady approach as information begins to get fed to you for assessments and you have to apply yourself consistently over time, that's when I, I really uh, started to fall off the academic horse, really. Mm-hmm. So That's interesting. Um, it seems like from my, from my experience, from like being in school and um, witnessing other students who had ADHD, um, it seemed, maybe you could speak to this more, do... Um, is it, is it common for people to be diagnosed later in life? It seems like from my experience, they, they're diagnosed earlier in life. What, what, what do you think? Yeah. And this is, this is even shone light on what I thought ADHD was. Like everyone remembers the out of control, naughty, naughty hyperactive kids. And that's the attention deficit hyperactivity disorder with the hyperactivity really active. But then there's the inattentive type as well, where it's um, things are happening internally. It's hard to concentrate. It's easy to get distracted. It's hard to follow through on uh, the end of a task or even the end of a thought sometimes. And that's a lot more subtle. So what I'm finding as I connect with other people and just from sharing my experience with getting diagnosed in my mid-20s I've easily had nine or ten other people who have gone and followed up a assessment for themselves and been diagnosed but um, the inattentive type is definitely a lot more subtle mm-hmm. because it's an internal struggle that's not so physically expressed with causing chaos in the classroom or mm-hmm. um, things like that and especially for women too it's incredibly underdiagnosed for women because women are better at masking it. They're more, they're a bit more self-aware and a bit more socially aware. And so they're better at, from what I, from what I have looked into, um, covering up where they may be um, struggling or experiencing a challenge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, so you're, you're the inattentive type. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So that explains why um, it wasn't recognized. And because I guess, as you said, a lot of kids who um, are very disruptive in the classroom, um, they probably get recognised early um, yeah. and, and then they're diagnosed quite early. I, I had one friend in particular who, um, like, he didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't a disruptive kid, but he just found it really hard to focus at school. Um, and... Yeah, he was diagnosed with ADHD quite early. It's just the one that I can think of that comes to mind. Um, so what were your, what would you say your your biggest interest was early in life? Like some people say sports, some people say art. Like what 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 do you think it was? Um, 
video games and that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a pretty uh that's a pretty consistent thing with ADHD um people that I've spoken to that have ever um sort of played because of how much of a source of dopamine it is mm-hmm. and it's it's not it's not difficulty paying uh, attention it's difficulty regulating attention so for me i notice i'm like i'm focused on nothing and getting nothing done or i'm hyper focused on one thing to the exclusion of all other things um the same with like a book as a kid i would pick up like a 500 page book and i would not look up until it was finished i could easily sit and read for six seven hours um liked the natural world documentaries i i played a lot of different sports but only for like one term really which is like well that's when i think the novelty started wearing off fast um things began to feel like a chore everything i everything i did or enjoyed bar very few things would end up feeling like a chore or you know like a a job so some, you know, a season of soccer, a season of cricket, a term of one type of karate, a term of art, term of guitar, a term of a different type of karate, a term of guitar again. Um, so, yeah, just bounce around to all these different things. Whereas my brother, older brother, who's three, three years older, he played cricket for seven years. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, just sort of stuck to that. And for me, it was just, there was always this, one of the things that I've put language to that it seems a lot of other ADHD people can relate to is like, I've just had this feeling that I was different and that I was experiencing the world differently to the people around me when I looked around and watched them do or experience things. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, when I've, when I've shared that like that, a lot of the people who are exploring an ADHD diagnosis or are already diagnosed go, yes, that that's the feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned your brother. Do you only have one sibling? Um, I've got one older brother. Me and him have the same mum um, and dad. Mm-hmm. And now I've got a baby younger half brother, so same mm-hmm. dad. Mm-hmm. He, he's been diagnosed with autism and mm-hmm. um, ADHD and autism are very often found together as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what about your, um, mom and stepdad? They didn't have any kids together. They haven't had any kids together, but he's got, okay. he's got, he's got two older ones that are quite a bit, quite a bit older than us. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So you said like, you're, um, you're quite an in shape guy and you said that you, um, sort of jumped around from sports as you were young, but it mm. sounds like even though you weren't consistent with one sport, you were still, exercising quite frequently is that mm-hmm. is that right i uh, no no i was i was pretty um pretty immobile as a, mm-hmm. i think as a kid from mm-hmm. from video games is obviously quite a stagnant uh physical activity and so is so is reading and that's and i used to play with a lot of lego mm-hmm. um those were the things i probably used to spend the most of my time doing it wasn't, it wasn't until I was about 17 and I started going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's actually been something that has held my interest um, and, and never wavered really. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, I, think, I think that being a, an activity where nothing else matters for that hour that I'm at the gym, it helps me regulate my energy and my, attention and burn up some mental whatever get my body moving get my blood moving and you know, I'm quite happy with with how I look so it's definitely giving me a confidence boost and stuff as well but I can see myself training five six days a week for until I can't really mm-hmm. okay um so you said that you did quite well early on in school at mm-hmm. least in, in primary school um and then you started to struggle a bit in high school. Um, you went to Wollongong High, right? I went to Wollongong Performing Arts High. Okay. Why um, did, were you, are you a performance artist or? Um, 
I was doing drama more towards mm-hmm. the end of primary school. Yeah. Um, I think mum just felt like there would be more opportunity for me to go to Wollongong High than Albion Park High. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother was m- more sporty. He played a bit of footy, played a lot of cricket, all that sort of stuff. And Albion Parks got pretty good um, atmosphere for that. And I, there, there was a first year running for the, it was called the Able and Interested, which is kind of like a academic capability kind of class running at uh, Albion Park High. And mm-hmm. I, I tested for that and I got into that, but I also auditioned for um, drama at Wollongong Performing Arts High and got into that as well. And my older, my older stepbrother and stepsister had gone to Wollongong High. Mm-hmm. Um, so mum mum made the decision that I was going to go to Wollongong High and I was the only person from my primary school that um did go so that was Mm -hmm. a that was a bit of an experience being the only one um Mm -hmm. but I'm so glad so glad I went there so much more culturally diverse and I got to see more of the world just or the world as far as the Illawarra goes when you're a primary school kid and you start catching the bus through all these different suburbs to get to Wollongong um yeah i'm very very glad i went to wollongong mm-hmm. um how how did you get into drama in primary school um something something mum and i used to enjoy doing together was going to see plays at the Rue theater in mm-hmm. shell harbour village and um uh, i think they were like running uh drama classes there i might have started that in maybe year five or six and it just kind of came up and I'd also been playing a bit of guitar as well. Mum sort of started saying, you know, it might be good for you to consider going to Wollongong High and, you know, you could do music or you could do drama. And I actually, I actually missed the drama audition. Um, but I don't know where I was. I was away or I was doing something, but I had a play coming up at the Rue Theatre. So mum contacted the school and said, well, you know, my son's missed the auditions, but he's got a, he's in a play coming up at the Rue Theatre. So I can't, that was my, I think someone came along and that was my audition. Okay. But I didn't, I didn't stick out drama all the way through till year 12 in, mm-hmm. classic, in classic ADHD fashion. Okay. Um, I liked doing more of the acting, just, just the acting stuff. Mm-hmm. And because it was performing arts high school, and there was dancers and music kids and, and drama students. We used to do a lot of musicals, mm-hmm. which I didn't really enjoy. So around about year nine, I um, dropped the performing arts subjects and moved into more tech, multimedia, software design type subjects. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that would have been around the time that we met. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, you, do, you remember, do you remember our first meeting? Um. Not, not specifically. I, I, in my head, I've got like, what is it? Ballistics, sensations. Yes, that's what I think it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So ex- explain to people what that is. Uh, that was these under 18s dance parties, free Coca-Cola, free lemonade, <laughs> like as much sugar as you could possibly consume. Um, local DJs. Where was it? Was that like? Ballistics, it was that it was that um the master builders in Wollongong yeah yeah oh man I hope I hope today's generation have got something like that that they can go to and just create some cringy memories for themselves definitely um if you're Ty I I wonder if Ty will be listening to this probably will but if you're Ty Bowmaker it's all about how many girls you can hook up with in the one night yeah, and that's what I that's what I used to hear about people. You know, come along to this. It's hectic. You know, people just ask up. People just come up to you and go, "Oh, do you want to hook up with my friend?" And you look at their friend. <laughs> and you know, it's like as a teenage boy, you're like, "Wow, that's that's lit." Um, that's where I want to be, sort of thing. But we actually ended up getting right into the shuffling, and this was yes. this was this was shuffling before LMFAO. Every day I'm shuffling. This was yes. like. Hard style rave kind of shuffling and mm-hmm. um yeah not to toot my own horn but we were kind of a big deal in the in the local shuffle scene 
Mm. Uh, starting shuffle circles and we used to have meetups at the youth center and stuff like that. And like, it sounds so cringy, but I'm so fond of those like times in my teenage years. Like <laughs> my, my teenage years are so rich with memories because of all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if you guys had anything like this at Wollongong, but it was only, it was only one time at Peachtree High, we had a, uh, we had a shuffle competition like a, a school-wide yeah. shuffle competition and like yeah. like the, all the teachers and all the kids were watching and, and then like we voted on the winner. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a big deal at one stage. Um, we, there, there were, so Wollongong High is right next to Kira High School and mm-hmm. there was some shufflers from Kira High School and I, one morning before school, had a shuffle battle with like Kira High's <laughs> best, best shuffler out the front, on the, <laughs> like on the steps of the hall. And there, there would have been easy hundred, hundred kids out there. Like it was an absolute scene. Um, and just, just things like that, you know, like I, I'm cringing right now, but I'm like, what a, what a beautifully innocent, typical teenager thing to do. And mm-hmm. I'm absolutely not going to provide any links for the show notes, but there's still <laughs> some videos of me shuffling on YouTube and okay. um, all that sort of stuff. Um, you brought up Kira High. Um, it's interesting that Kira High and Wollongong are right next to each other. Um, Kira is a tech high school, is that right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, te- it's a tech high school. That's actually very different in terms of like for a public high school, I think they, I think they don't do, um, they don't mix the genders in the classes up until like year 10 or 11 or something like that. It's very, um, very, very tech academic kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Very, very, because it was a, it was a very masculine high school. Okay. Just in terms of, structure and they were a lot stricter and had a lot more rules and all that sort of thing and right next to the creative flowy Wollongong high school it was um it's very interesting Mm. my my granddad taught um mathematics and um it at kira um and he uh and i um i had a lot of friends that went to kira and Wollongong um yeah it was interesting like having having kids being taught by my granddad it's just yeah interesting hearing their experience i um when i when i changed when i dropped the performing arts subjects and started doing a lot more tech sort of stuff i used to go over to kira high for one of my classes for software design and development classes and that was like a mixed um mixed schools there were students from both schools in that class so okay having opportunities to do things like that was um was awesome so how did they respond to you dropping the performing arts like Wollongong how did they respond to that um uh, it's my it was my choice really I didn't have you know after I'd been there for three years or so um there wasn't any thing of like oh no you have to do that and I was I was always in the top five or so in my in my class with always getting picked for the you know the the main roles um main main acting roles to to do and all that sort of things but it just if it wasn't going to continue to be something i enjoyed doing what was the point really mm-hmm. um bit of a bit of a sideways question um did you so most people when they get into high school start to um, obviously you go through puberty and start to discover dating. Um, is that something that, um, that you were interested in in high school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember I had a, uh, a year seven girlfriend for like, I don't know, six or seven months or something. We might've like hugged like twice. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, there like there was no Tinder around. MySpace was MySpace was still the yeah. thing. I remember when yeah. Facebook started coming along in like two thousand and nine or so, and that was different. Mm-hmm. And, and then there was a couple. There was a couple of girls I liked or crushed on or whatever. Um, but I ended up in uh, having a bit more of a long term relationship with uh, 
think someone we both know, or I know Ty knows, knows her as well mm-hmm. uh, for a few years. And that sort of saw me out through to the end past year 12. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. I think, as I said, it's just, a, it's, a, it's an interesting period that um, those teenage years um, yeah. and because, because we're only in our mid twenties, um it's not it's not that long ago it's only like 10 years ago um and and we're we're still we're still feeling the direct consequences of the decisions that we made in those years whereas some people who are later in their life will look back on those years and it it feels so distant whereas for us um it's only it's only a few years ago so it's interesting to reflect on those times agreed and like my my personal sort of philosophy or perspective is the best is always yet to come. I've got very fond memories of being a teenager, school and assessments and assignments and all that. It's a bit chaotic because of how um, challenging I felt found it to be on track with undiagnosed ADHD, but socially had a great time um, and like life's been great and getting better every day since then with with my challenging times as well but i like sometimes i hear people reminisce on school almost a little bit too fondly mm-hmm. like like those were the glory days and it was all downhill from from there and i just sort mm-hmm. of think like what are you not doing what are you not exploring about yourself now with the freedom as an of as an adult um to enrich your life and truly take responsibility of your life and follow your passions and your interests that high school seemed better. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting point, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But I'd just like to um, explore sort of jobs and career. Yeah. What was your What was your first job? My first ever job was washing fish tanks um, in a retail aquarium in Unandera uh, after school, and I think I started that. I would have started that in either year nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Okay, so- how long did you do that for? Um, only as long as only until as long when I realized that I was eligible for youth allowance, mm-hmm. um, as a full time student and being over 16 years old. And so I was happy to work eight less hours a week, um, and be and get $70 an hour, $70 a week less from not working at all and just doing school and getting paid by Centrelink. So okay. that, so, that would, so, so you got onto youth allowance and then you didn't work? And then I didn't work, no. And uh, how long did that last for? When did you start working again? Um, wouldn't have been until after school. Okay. I think I had a little, um, I don't, this is, this is probably the, uh, the birth of my entrepreneurial sort of era. I, was actually making and selling viral Facebook pages um, in 2011 and 2012. And that actually paid for my schoolies trip. So that's kind of, kind of like work. And then after school, like I didn't have, I didn't qualify for an ATAR at all. I got a red dot. I didn't have any uni prospects or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked, I did pizza delivery for, I think it was only a few months. Um, then I did a season as a lifeguard at Jamboree Rec Park. That mm. was, it was fun, but it was also stressful just for how much personal responsibility I take on things and mm. as like people's lives. People seem to dump their common sense in the nearest bin once they walk in the gates. <laughs> and you're responsible for making sure that they don't do something where they hurt, injure, or drown themselves. Mm-hmm. So I found it. I found that quite stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that season, I was just sort of looking for something to do, and I ended up finding my way into traffic control, traffic management, and doing that for six years, about five or six years, which I exited maybe four or five months ago now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so you said that those those building those viral pages was your um, sort of introduction into being an entrepreneur. Um, when did you start to get int- uh, interested in, in coaching? Um, 
I'll say that I'll say the coaching came about as a post spiritual awakening um, experience where I realized I was not like, despite not getting an ATAR or being classed as academically intelligent on paper through the schooling system, um, I still felt pretty switched on and I still felt like I could learn things fast and I could get quite a, a big and deep picture on things that I was interested in quite fast. And so I was like, I'm absolutely not, um, not making anything of my life that I feel like I could be um, of my own perceived potential. And so that's when I started reading personal development books and, um, you know, going to therapy and just really doing some work on myself and um, talking about anything I felt like I needed to talk about and made some really, really good progress. And I was like, I don't have to be perfect or a guru to help other people. And I have made a lot of progress from, you know, who I was in my 21, 22, 20s, 18, 19 years old. And, you know, just that, that interest in people that I mentioned before. And I think that's one of the reasons why the interest in there is because people are endlessly fascinating and everyone's got a different story. And I'm just so curious about the inner worlds of everyone and their beliefs and their understanding of things. And if they, if they want to grow and if they want to change and they're ready to take that, that leap and they're committed to that, then I love to be holding the space for them to have the conversations where that can be explored. Mm -hmm. So you said it was a, it was a spiritual awakening. Was, was there something that, that instigated that? Was it a specific moment? Yeah. Um, So candidly, candidly as possible. Um, I early twenties partying a lot, experimenting with different, different substance substances and um, party drugs and some psychedelics and stuff like that. But very, very early on, my perspective was if I'm exploring this stuff, it's only to escape, uh, only to explore, never to escape. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's a, that's something that has served me well. Mm -hmm. And it was one night when I was with a friend and we were, journeying on lsd mm -hmm. and we were sort of just sitting around the table chatting and we just sort of said it's pretty profound that we're sitting here having this conversation right now mm -hmm. like, of all the variables of all the chemical reactions in the world it's profound that we exist and that we're having this conversation so um you know after that i was just like the next day being outside and i could just I was crying. I was crying with joy and gratitude at just how beautiful the world is. Um, and also disbelief that I'd been blind to it the whole time. All this beauty was right there in front of me. And um, I'd been misdirected in my attention and what I thought was important, what I should be focusing on was all the wrong things. So that was, um, that's, that's, that's the moment I call it. And I've very realistically considered that that could have been a psychosis and um, all these kinds of things. And this was just stuff to fit for me to figure out and work through and just go how it, how it happens for someone is, is how it's supposed to happen for them. But mm -hmm. any, anyone that knows me, this is the first time I've sort of shared that on a recorded conversation um, which, which, you know, which I'm happy, happy to go out there. Um, what was I saying? Um, or oh, anyone, anyone sort of close to me that knows about that night knows that that was the night that the, like the lights came on for me and I've lived my life differently every day since. Okay. So, uh, it's interesting. Uh, I love something that you said. Um, that it was about exploring, not escaping. Um, mm. And a lot of people sort of have these awakenings on, on substances, um, especially psychedelics. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think was, was driving that perspective to explore, not to escape? Because there's so many people in their teenage years 
do, do you, was there um, was there significant trauma for you growing up? Because it seems like the, for most people, when they're trying to escape, it's because they have some trauma. But for you, you you had this perspective to explore, not to escape. So so yeah. why do you think that was? I wasn't I wasn't aware of the trauma until closer to my mid twenties. Yep. My first, uh, my first few psychedelic experiences, or I'll say my first few altered state experiences were um, in schoolies. Um, so 2012, at the age of 18, having um, a couple of mushroom shakes in Bali. And mm-hmm. I'd never, I know it's a pretty cult, Aussie culture kind of thing for a significant populate, portion of the population to sort of you know, smoke weed in someone's garage growing up and and all those kind of experiences. But I never did really any of that. There was some okay. there was some, you know, some binge some teenage binge drinking and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But mm-hmm. um I never had any experience with like psychedelic type sort of things. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just on my first experience with mushrooms, I was like, this is um this is pretty powerful stuff and that being said it could be horribly mis be horribly misused um and i think the consequences of that would be dire so i'm going to treat it with the respect that i feel like it deserves and i've had multiple multiple life-changing realizations and comings comings to awareness and you know always felt very clear coming out of any psychedelic or plant medicine experience that I've had about the work that I need to go and do uh in the world and what I've what I've learned through that journey Mm -hmm. um I think the the explore versus escape um sort of contradiction um Mm -hmm. is is usually modeled so um, from, from, what, from, what your, from your role models, would you say that they had more of an explore model than an escape model? Not necessarily with, with substances, but yeah. like, for, for example, I'll, I'll give you an example, um, alcohol. Like alcohol, people either use that to escape or they use it to enjoy themselves and connect with people. Like yeah. what was like, what was that like with, with your mum, for example? Yeah. Um, this is the first time I've explored this territory um, in my head. So grateful to be having that conversation. Mum mm-hmm. was never really a drinker other than, mm-hmm. other than like a really, really special occasion mm-hmm. or yeah, or a novelty kind of drink or something like that. I can't I can't even really point to yeah, I can't even really point to models. I like I feel like that was me. I feel like that was then me starting to become my own person and form my own ideas and my own perspectives of the world. Um but there's n- there's nothing clear in my mind that jumps out about oh yeah I learned I learned that from such and such or I learned that from whatever I just think maybe perhaps the um, ADHD brain always looking to refine and solve and problem solve and improve things um, with the surplus of attention that it has probably probably led me to having that as a functional perspective with um these kinds of things mm-hmm. yeah it sounds it sounds like from what you've expe- uh, explained um that your mum wasn't using for example alcohol to escape and and that's something that a lot of people in our culture do mm-hmm. um and so it that sounds like that provided a, an example for you of of how to use substances um and yeah um I, towards the end of all my podcasts, um, I so this is the Coping with Anxiety podcast, and we've explored yep. your story. Um, and 
but what we haven't really touched on is is anxiety yet and a lot of my a lot of my listeners will be curious to hear about anxiety and um what's what's your experience with anxiety yeah uh, I, would, I would just like to section off the um escaping versus exploring and psychedelics thing as well yeah um, that's fine I'm, I'm absolutely not advocating that everyone should go and do and explore these things they are not to mm-hmm. be taken lightly yeah um if you have explored that and you have some things that you're hung up on from your experiences um i would encourage anyone to speak to anyone that they feel like they can trust professionally or someone who is informed at least if they are not professional um Mm -hmm. or in the in the clinical space um i think these can be truly transformative things but they can also be um incredibly destructive things if they are used in the wrong ways as well and that that being said i think absolutely anything that can change your emotional or mental state can be used as a as an addiction or um as a compulsive way to self-manage and for me in the past that's been all sorts of different things that's been exercise it's been pornography consumption it's been food it's been um video games i don't know if i've already said that so just mm-hmm. wanted to section off that awareness and wrap yeah that's up that great topic. i i completely agree and um when i when i get a chance to go on someone else's podcast people will hear my experience with drugs and and how dangerous that can be and, and i i would say that um d- drugs were the catalyst for like there was trauma in my childhood that led me to take drugs but mm-hmm. drugs were the catalyst for my struggle with panic and panic mm-hmm. dominating my life um so yeah I'm, I'm really happy that you you made that that clarification that people yeah. should be really careful um w- when considering using these substances yeah and I, I look forward to um hearing you talk about your story um mm-hmm. as well but just following on for where you were wanting to take this yep um with with anxiety I feel like for me, I would be the undiagnosed ADHD led me to be nearly incapable of delivering any schoolwork on time for, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not as simple as just paying attention or just started earlier or something like that. And I would, I spent from years nine to 12 basically living anxious knowing how much work there was to catch up on that i wasn't going to get marks for because it was going to be late anyway um like i still have i still have nightmares about waking up and having to go to school and they're not being there being assignments and things that haven't even started Mm -hmm. and it's like it's like such a relief to know that I'm an adult now and none of that shit matters. But I think that speaks to the uh, the impact that I can still be having nightmares and dreams about it 10, ten years later. Mm-hmm. So um, with, so, so you said so you were diagnosed this year, is that mm-hmm. correct? That's correct. Um, a lot of people sort of have this... Um, this weird association with diagnoses, regardless of what the diagnosis is, especially with mental health diagnoses. Um, what, what would you say being given a diagnosis has done for you? It's been incredibly liberating, affirming and empowering for me because it confirmed what I said, what I, it confirmed feelings that I had had my whole life about something being different and me not knowing what, um and i'd i'd quite clinically informed myself um on on adhd and you know all the things i'd read was basically my inner world articulated there's one particular um there's one particular author who's a psychiatrist and also has inattentive adhd 
named mm-hmm. Dr. Gabor Mate. So his book, oh, Scat- yeah, yep. his book Scattered Minds was um, one of the big ones for me that clued me onto things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to remember your question. It was about um, like what did a diagnosis do for you? Oh, uh, yeah. So it gave me it gave me clarity. It let me know what was under the hood. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not, it's, it's definitely not an excuse, but it's an explanation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting that you say that. And I think a lot of people say, oh, well, a diagnosis is pointless because it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I think a lot of people conflate ideas. They, they think that because they, because they get a diagnosis, they, they don't recognize that getting a diagnosis as you said affirms what you're going through but then also it's not just about knowing what what you are but then it's about making change as well because um so so you've you've got this diagnosis and then um what did that what did that inspire within you like did it did it inspire action um yeah I guess I got to a I got to a fork in the road. I you know I was having trouble in the relationships that I was in, um, struggling with feeling connected to my life career-wise because I just knew that I wasn't going to do traffic control. I wasn't passionate about traffic control, and I in something if I'm not like it's existentially painful for me to pretend to be interested um, in a job or in a conversation. Um, like I can't do small talk or whatever. Um, so I got to this fork in the road where it was like, and sometimes, sometimes unprocessed trauma can manifest ADHD like symptoms. So I got to a point in the road and I was doing therapy with, um, sort of a psychologist helped me with some relationship stuff and also some sexual trauma from my childhood. And so I was, I was exploring some pretty significant things all at once. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, this is a, a fork in the road because the one way is something else and the other way is something completely different. They're not like sort of going in the same direction. So that was something I, I needed to, to, to face and explore. And I was so happy to be wrong, um, but I just I needed some answers. And it, that kind of gave me some parameters to be aware of and, and navigate my life with. Um, and you know get get a bit better at self-management because through all the personal development books i read anything communication or awareness or emotional processing whatever i was like i could read it and live it the very next second so good at it but anything executive function organization planning execution like just no progress was being made Mm -hmm. and there's only so far you can get by winging it Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you, you mentioned, um, some anxiety that you experienced when you're at school regarding your ADHD. Um, what about, what about once you left school? Um, was there, um, was there anxiety about where your life was headed because you didn't get an ATAR and you you didn't know what you were going to do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and sort of being measured against all my classmates and, things like that really spiked spiked that up quite high um and i'd say that's where my even even still that's where my brain goes is like what is what i'm doing the right thing um am i capable of doing that especially when you know i've done interstate presenting in mental health workshops around australia each and each and every opportunity i get to put myself out there there is also anxiety um around that as well and i just i i try to find the most functional relationship with anxiety like why is the anxiety there to protect myself to um to keep me safe and all these kinds of things but i'm also aware that keeping me safe sometimes might be keeping me unseen or unheard or small and i don't believe that the you know the growth i want in my life or the impact i want to have in my life comes from listening to that anxiety every time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, we've almost run out of time. So um, you said that you have 
um, you've stopped the nighttime construction work a few months ago. Yeah. And so just explain to people what you're doing now. Um, a lot of different things in true ADHD uh, expression. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got my personal development coaching business. I do some work for an Australian digital currency shopping network. I've got a few different cryptocurrency um, investments for passive income and all the time I'm just always having conversations with people about similar to similar to what you came to me for how can I monetize this um, how can I develop my business around around this and yeah I feel like for me my brain expresses expresses itself as creative ventures as business ideas mm-hmm. so there's, um, a, there's a few different things yep if there's there's one thing that you would like people to take away from this podcast what would you say it is from the coping with anxiety podcast or from this episode from this episode from this episode i would like any listener to honor their boundaries to say yes when they mean yes, to say no when they mean no, to be willing to be proven wrong if they can identify that as potentially an expansive experience um, and to have a healthy and functional relationship with being challenged and I'll say failure, but we either win or we learn. There's no such thing as, as failing. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to great way to end it. Um, I'm really I'm really honoured that you were the first um, first guest. And as I said earlier, you you gave me the push that I needed to begin, and that's why I wanted you to be the first guest. And yep. I've already got some some other episodes lined up. So awesome. uh, for, for my for my audience, um, this is the first episode. Um, it's being recorded on Saturday the 27th, so hopefully it'll be up tomorrow or the day after. Um, and then I have another episode planned uh, to be recorded on Wednesday. Um, yeah, so I'm really, I'm really excited for, for where your career is heading, Brody, and um, I'll, I'll share with people um, in, the, in the description of this um, video um, sort of how they can get in contact with you. And um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy that you came on today. That'd be great. Thank you for having me on. And I'd like to acknowledge you for the action that you're taking based on the conversation that we had. That's awesome to see. Awesome. All right. Uh, We'll wrap it up there. Thanks, Brody. Thank you.